Welcome to the Vital Conversations podcast. We are broadcasting from the intersection of Christian faith and society. This podcast aims to inform and motivate people of faith on issues of social justice and concern. I'm your host, Jared Cunningham. Let's get started. Since the last episode and Brian's sermon over the weekend both mentioned prayer, I felt this week's episode should focus on prayer. The following are refreshed podcast episodes about how the songs we sing also act as prayers to God. Coincidentally, these also took place around Brian's Teach Us to Pray sermon series. So, without further ado, let's get started. Again, part one, a beautiful collision. As of now, we're about a third of the way through our Teach Us to Pray series, and we've talked about prayer in the we've talked about prayer in the past, and with more conversation about prayer to come as the month kind of goes on and as we work through this series, I thought it seemed fitting to share some things you may not know about prayer. So for starters, there's about 650 prayers in the Bible, and of those prayers, there are approximately 450 recorded answers to those prayers. The first time prayer is mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis 4:26, when Seth, Adam's third son, had his first son. The Bible records Jesus praying 25 different times during his earthly ministry. In the Bible, Paul mentions prayer 41 times in terms of prayer, prayer reports, prayer requests, exhortations to pray, those kind of things. The Bible lists nine main types of prayer. Prayer of faith prayer of agreement, prayer of request, prayer of thanksgiving, prayer of worship, prayer of consecration, also known as dedication, the prayer of intercession, the prayer of imprecation, and the prayer in the spirit. And the word amen makes its first appearance in the Bible in Numbers 5.22. Now, as I said, we are currently in our Teach Us to Pray series where we're taking a deeper look at the Lord's Prayer. And so far, we've talked about lines, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we've talked about the line, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And just in those lines, we recognize who God is, that he is holy, that his gospel and his love are still spreading throughout the world. And the Lord's Prayer also invites us to add worship to our prayers. And that's kind of where I want to focus for this episode. Now, the title of this episode is A Beautiful Collision, and that's based on a song, of course, as well as an album by the David Crowder Band. And the album, in David Crowder's words, is based around the mystery and the beauty of that instant where the divinity of God smacks head on into the depravity of man. And I like the idea of kind of two things meeting and creating something that's greater, like when we add worship to our prayers or when we use worship as our prayer. In the program we use for finding our worship music, there's an option called themes, and it allows you to basically find songs that base around certain words or certain themes. While pulling things for this series, I searched for songs about prayer, and I was hoping, you know, there would be songs that mention prayer in some way. And I set it up for the most relevant songs, and here are a few that came up that kind of surprised me might be familiar with these. 
One of the first ones was open the eyes of my heart. Then there was come thou found of every blessing. Lead me to the cross. God of wonders. Be thou my vision, as well as you are my vision, the the more modern version we do, as well as the doxology. All of these are songs we've done multiple times. They're also songs that don't mention the word prayer. I had to go back through the lyrics on all of them, be sure. I don't remember, you know, mentioning the word prayer in any of these songs. And these are all ones I love to do. And after having my moment of, you know, these songs, these songs aren't about prayer. This is terrible. This option doesn't work. These aren't right. I quickly realized that the songs don't mention prayer because they are prayers. I never really thought of them that way. In thinking about music, music music is just amazing. It's a universal language, as I've used the Victor Wooten quote in the past. It's something that everyone uses to make themselves feel good when they're going through something. And it's often said that songs express what words alone can't express. Even in jazz, jazz expresses what can't be put into words often. So what a more fitting way to convey our prayers to God than through song. I mean, so many worship songs convey what we're looking for. It's easy to see how they actually are prayers rather than just being, you know, worship lyrics to worship God. The Lord's Prayer invites us to add worship to our prayers, and I believe there's also room to use our worship as our prayer and to maybe take that a step further. It builds up to a beautiful thing when we all join together in song and join together in a song that's asking God for something like opening the eyes of my heart or lead me to the cross and lead me to your heart or, you know, you are the God of wonders, you are holy. And I believe it's an amazing thing when we kind of sing together and we let those praises and those prayers kind of rise to heaven. I never thought of it that way. I always thought, you know, worship was worship and prayer was prayer. They're separate things, but they're actually one in the same or not maybe one in the same, but one can be used as the other, I should say. I had never thought of it that way, but it's truly amazing when our worship kind of collides with our prayers. Part two, a beautiful collision refreshed. I dropped the ball. And because that may sound surprising, I will say it again. I dropped the ball. While brainstorming ideas for upcoming podcast episodes, I started reflecting on past episodes and one stood out more than the others. During the Teach Us to Pray sermon series, I did an episode entitled A Beautiful Collision. I clearly remember planning out that podcast and it sounded like a really good idea at the time. So I thought it would be fun to do a part two episode. For good measure, I listened back to the original and I realized there was a bit of a problem. While I did describe what the beautiful collision was, I didn't really go beyond that. I didn't go into why it was important. And as a result, to me, the episode sounds more like a space filler than anything else. That being said, for this Refresh podcast, I'm not continuing or doing a sequel of the original so much as giving a more, dare I say, refresh take on A Beautiful Collision. Before I jump into that, I should back up a bit and talk about what makes a collision beautiful. Now, outside of these two episodes and the David Crowder song they're both named after, 
the words beautiful and collision usually don't appear next to each other in typical conversation, let alone in the same sentence. The immediate picture that comes to mind when we hear the word collision is generally some version of a car accident. If you've ever witnessed or been in one, you know, a car accident, regardless of its severity, is not a beautiful sight. So what makes a collision this instance of two or more things striking violently against each other beautiful? And I think the answer lies in the good that comes out of that collision. As I said, the A Collision album is based on man meeting God. When our moral corruptness collides with God's love, we are given grace and mercy that we weren't even aware of, putting us in a better place than we were before. With that as our example, we can see other places where they occur in our faith. For example, there's a beautiful collision that happens when our prayers meet music. In the Teach Us to Pray series, Brian broke down the Lord's Prayer and explained how each part of it is significant. While going over the line, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, Brian showed us how the Lord's Prayer invites us to add worship to our prayers. In the past, we've talked about how worship is our means of growing closer to God and how there are different ways to worship, whether that be through prayer or music, reading scripture, or so on. With other ways to worship and several types of prayers, it seems only fitting that there be other ways to pray, whether that be alone or silent or as a group. And similarly, I believe there's also space to put our prayers in song. And realistically, not only is there space, it's already being done. St. Augustine is credited with saying, those who sing pray twice. Music is known to convey feelings that words alone cannot. So it's fitting that many of the songs we sing, regardless of them being hymns or contemporary Christian songs, flow like prayers. In the program that I used for pulling up worship music, there's an option to find songs by theme, and prayer is one of those themes. But when you start going through those first few songs that come up, you quickly realize that none of these songs actually mention prayer, mainly because they actually are prayers. Singing adds a new dimension to the human voice, and combined with our prayers and our the desires on our hearts, a deeper, concentrated feeling takes place within us. When we gather as a church and join together in song, that goes a step further. If singing is praying twice, what is it when a group sings together? Since singing alone offers a more centered feeling, it wouldn't be a stretch to recognize the unity that comes with worshiping and praying as one. When we unite our voices in prayer, it's a beautiful collision between the individual matters on each of our hearts and the inherent power of prayer. And that power is magnified when we sing those prayers. Part 3. Be Thou My Vision From the title of this episode, you've probably already guessed that it has something to do with the song Be Thou My Vision. Before I get too far ahead of myself, though... Let's talk about discipleship because it's not only important to our faith, it connects to today's episode. Over the last two weeks, Brian's been doing a series on discipleship, and the goal of this series was to take a look at the basics of what it means to be a follower of God. In part one, Brian explained what it truly means to be a disciple of Jesus and how our faith isn't just a checklist. It's not this list of things we need to do and mark off. Our faith is an ongoing journey that doesn't get any easier. In part two, 
Ryan explained how along this faith journey, things aren't cheap, easy, or quick. The key to heaven is built on our investment in our relationships. Now, you may ask, how does that connect with Be Now My Vision? Well, that's also a bit of a journey in and of itself. More than likely, you're familiar with the hymn Be Thou My Vision or the modern version we do at Citrus, You Are My Vision by Ren Collective. Since we were planning to sing this on this past Sunday in service, I had a thought. As a self-proclaimed music nerd, I was curious as to where this hymn came from, who wrote it, what inspired its writing, and hymnals and worship music sites credit the lyrics of this song to Mary Elizabeth Bryan and Eleanor Henrietta Hull. And the music is to the tune of an Irish folk tune called Slain. However, a little music nerd research clarifies that Mary Elizabeth Bryan translated the poem Be That My Vision into English, and Eleanor Henrietta Hull split the poem into verses around 1905, begging the question, where did the poem come from? To answer that, we have to take a bit of a journey and go back to the late 300s, to the birth of an individual still recognized today, by wearing the color green on March 17th. Yes, we're talking about the man himself, St. Patrick. All this information comes from the Encyclopedia Britannica Biography.com and an online Catholic resource site. Patrick was born in Britain sometime between 386 and 387 AD. When he was a teenager, most agree at the age of 16, he was kidnapped by raiders and enslaved in Ireland. And during this time in Ireland, he came to faith and escaped slavery. He later studied in France and became a priest. In his autobiography, he says he dreamed that he received a letter from the Irish people, asking him to return and walk amongst them. It is said that though he was hesitant at first, upon arriving in Ireland in 433, now as a missionary, he was confident in his God and in himself. Historians believe, kind of based on his writings, that St. Patrick was likely a very humble-minded person. Over the next 27 years, he baptized, taught, and lived in constant danger of being martyred until his death on March 17th, 461. Now, there are many legends about St. Patrick. One claims that he drove the snakes of Ireland into the sea. Another says he used the shamrock, the three-leaf clover, as a symbol or a teaching tool for explaining the Trinity, God three in one, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Another legend says that at one point, King Loger of Terra declared that no one was to light any fires until the day of a non-Christian festival that was quickly approaching. In defiance, St. Patrick lit one, and rather than having him put to death, King Loger found it amusing and later came to faith through St. Patrick. And it is this life in this particular legend with King Loger that it apparently inspired Dallin Forgale to write Be Thou My Vision. I couldn't find as much on Dalen as I found for St. Patrick, but here's the gist. Dalen was a poet in 533 in Ireland, and he is most known for writing the poem, The Elegy of St. Columbia. Now, it is said that Dalen went blind at some point in his life and later regained his sight after finishing one of his works. Outside of the legend of St. Patrick, King Loger, and possibly his own blindness, there is not much else known about what inspired Dalen to write the poem, Be Thou My Vision. Based on the lyrics, the hymn takes us down an interesting path. I won't read off the lyrics for the entire song word for word. If you're familiar with the song, you've probably been singing it in your head this entire time. 
episodes and episodes ago, I talked about how the worship songs we sing also act as prayers, and I believe Be Thou My Vision is a perfect example. As I understand the song, it's a prayer asking God to be with us on our faith journey. It asks God to be our vision, our wisdom, our shield, while also praising him as our best thought, our shelter, and our high tower, and the high king of heaven. My favorite part of the song is the last few lines of the fifth verse, because after five verses, it once again asks God, still be my vision, O ruler of all. Now, though there were dozens of verses that were suggested as inspiration for the hymn, the standouts to me come from Colossians 3. Verse 1 through 2 says, So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. While verse 17 says, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the same name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I feel St. Patrick embodied this. Not only was he kidnapped and held as a slave in Ireland, he returned to the place where he was held captive in an effort to share the gospel. Constantly under threat of persecution, he continued his work, building relationships with the people of Ireland for almost 30 years. He knew it wouldn't be easy, but he made the journey anyway. Though our world looks vastly different than Ireland in the 5th century, we still have our own journeys and relationships to build. The road to being a follower of God is still not easy, but we can take the time to make the same prayer as Dalen Forgale. Lord, be thou my vision.